mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, back from vacation and coming up today, as everyone knows, Findlay already sets the standard for economic development among cities our size. Now Mayor Christina Mern has some ideas to take that Findlay formula to the next level. Also this morning, what's so special about this April's solar eclipse? Toledo's Imagination Station is leading into the year's biggest scientific event with programming and events to get everyone as excited as they are. In our community and business spotlight, Ohio Means Jobs is highlighting career opportunities at Garner Trucking. And February is a month you're going to love with what's happening at the Findlay Hancock County Public Library. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, January 24th, 2024. So yesterday, the Oscar nominations were announced, and there's this big hullabaloo over the snubs for Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig and Barbie. Uh, Margot Robbie not nominated for Best Director, or I'm sorry, for uh, Best Actress, and um, uh, Greta Gerwig not getting a nomination for uh, Best Director, but they were nominated. Um, Greta Gerwig... uh, wrote the screenplay, which got nominated, and Margot Robbie was a producer of the movie, which, you know, got she got nominated uh, in that category, in uh, Best Picture, uh, as a producer. So they may pick up Academy Awards, not for directing and acting, but in those other categories. And so they weren't really snubbed, per se. They still have a chance to uh, win Oscars just not in those categories. And here's the question, and I was debating this with some friends online uh, yesterday after the nominations were announced. If you are going to, if, if you're going to make the argument that Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig deserve directing and acting nominations, who among the nominees do you bump? Because there, you can only have so many nominees in these categories. There are limits. So if you want to put them in, then by necessity somebody who did get a nomination in those categories has to be bumped who do you bump out and i think those were very deserving nominees in those categories across the board so somebody is going to get snubbed so the academy i believe and i don't know this but i would imagine they figured that okay greta gerwig and margot robbie have the opportunity to win for barbie in these categories we can nominate these other people in the acting and directing categories. And so everybody gets a nomination. We can spread out the nominations. It wouldn't be the first time that's happened either. Uh, But, of course, everybody making a big deal about it because it kind of goes along with the plot of Barbie and blah, blah, blah. But now that the Oscar nominations are out, and this is the reason I bring this up, the online sports book, Bavada, is detailing the odds for... Uh, who will be the winners? And I don't think you can actually wager on this. They do it just for fun. But after Oppenheimer picked up uh, the 13 nominations to lead the way, the numbers show that it is pretty much a lock in most of its nominated categories. It is the odds, uh, odds-on odds favorite to win Best Picture at minus 1,000. In other words, you don't have to be a nuclear physicist to know not to bet against Oppenheimer for Best Picture. Uh, Let's see here. Christopher Nolan is the odds-on favorite to win Best Director at minus 3,500 to 1. 
the uh, same goes for Robert Downey Jr. as Best Supporting Actor. His odds are minus 1,000. By contrast, Cillian Murphy's odds of winning Best Actor are minus 275, meaning an upset is possible but not likely. The longest shots are the underdogs Jeffrey Wright for Best Actor for American Fiction and Coleman Domingo for Rustin at plus 3,000. So those are the, the odds on the Oscars, if you could wager. I don't think you can. I think that's one of the few things that you can't actually wager on. But uh, it is kind of interesting who the odds makers think are going to uh, pick up the wins on March 10th. Uh, let's see here. Some of the other most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, among the first things you need to know, the group that maintains the infamous Doomsday Clock says the world remains as close as ever to global catastrophe. The Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists announced yesterday that the Doomsday Clock is still set at 90 seconds to midnight in 2024. Uh, they said, because humanity continues to face an unprecedented level of danger. This is the first time the clock has been updated since the start of the Israel-Hamas war and the second updated clock since the Russia-Ukraine war began. The scientists said leaders and citizens around the world should take this statement as a stark warning and respond urgently. So, respond urgently. We're 90 seconds to midnight of the doomsday clock. Important to know. Uh, let's see. This I thought was kind of interesting. And again, uh, we get all of these year-end lists and 2024 projections right around the first of the year. You get the new year projections. and the But uh, the, uh, the folks at Baby Center are out with their trending baby names list. This I thought was kind of interesting. If you know... A Brooke, a Blake, a Brady, or a Bradley, uh, you can offer them either condolences or congratulations because they soon may claim a pretty rare first name. Baby Center's annual most popular baby names list has been balanced out by a new list of the names that seem to be going out of style based on how much these names have dropped in popularity over the past year. Some names have plummeted so significantly that they say that they may extend, uh, may eventually go extinct. Uh, the 10 boys and girls names that may soon be a distant memory that may go extinct. Brooke, Blake, Mackenzie, Brooklyn, Charlie, Reagan, McKenna, Finley, Amanda, and Michelle for girls. And for boys, Julius, Jaden, Johnny, Raiden, Reed, Brady, Nasser, Ronan, Bradley, and Clayton for boys are the names that are trending most downward among baby names in 2024. They are at risk of going extinct. Interesting. Um, so it, it used to be, I mean, if you go into an elementary school classroom, there are Brady's everywhere. And now, not so much. In a few years, may not have any around at all, they say. It's interesting the way these trends work sometimes. 
Uh, pretty amazing science here, uh, making headlines this morning among the first things that you need to know. You know that allergies are very common uh, among people, and many of them are animal allergies. Do you know someone who's allergic to cats or uh, dogs, pet dander of some kind? Um, they can trigger symptoms such as itchy eyes and sneezing. But do allergies work the other way around? Can dogs and cats be allergic to us? According to Dr. Heather Edgington, an assistant clinical professor of dermatology at the Cornell University College of Veterinary Medicine, believe it or not, our furry friends can actually have allergic reactions to people. The three main categories of allergies that they see in dogs and cats are flea allergies, food allergies, and environmental allergies. This is a report in LiveScience.com. An allergy to humans would fall in the category of environmental allergies for an animal. Uh, Fortunately, uh, those allergies, while they do happen, they are generally pretty mild. But they do happen. The uh, symptoms in pets are pretty mild, but they do happen. So, interesting. I would have not guessed that, but I suppose it makes sense when you think about it. And uh, lastly here, among the first things you need to know this morning to get your Wednesday morning started, speaking of amazing science, this just blew my mind. Researchers in Norway have now developed a way to treat diabetes via a delivery device that may have caused it in the first place. Candy. Researchers from the Arctic University of Norway have found a way to let diabetic patients take their insulin orally, not by injection. If you don't like needles, this is a big deal. You get rid of the needles or an IV pump. They say that the medicine could be taken in a tasty chocolate, a chocolate candy containing <laughs> containing insulin. Um, little hair of the dog that bit you, if you will. Uh, apart from the flavor, the scientists say this delivery me- method is actually more effective than traditional treatments. When you take insulin with a syringe, it is spread throughout the body where it can cause unwanted side effects, according to researcher Peter McCourt. This new way of taking insulin is more precise because it delivers the insulin insulin rapidly to the areas of the body that need it most. A special coating the scientists developed not only protects the medicine from the digestive system, it also releases the medicine when an enzyme in the liver signals that a patient's blood sugar has gotten too high. Regular injections can't do that and sometimes can crater uh, can crater a, pr- a patient's blood sugar, triggering hypoglycemia. And this eliminates that. So <laughs> you can actually get your insulin with candy. I thought that that is uh, that may be this day's news of most lasting significance, as they say. New way to uh, take your insulin if you're diabetic. No word on when this might be uh, widely available on the market, but pretty amazing research. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Rain showers today, high reaching the upper 40s. Showers tonight, a low in the low 40s. 
The Seneca County Drug Task Force executed a drug-related search warrant with the assistance of the Fostoria Police Department. Authorities say the search warrant executed at an address on South Poplar Street revealed suspected fentanyl, methamphetamine, and other items indicative of drug trafficking. Two people were arrested and booked at the Seneca County Jail. Police Chief Gabe Wedge says that address has been a source of numerous drug complaints and the collaboration between agencies is an example of the proactive police work necessary to combat drugs in their communities. Get more on our website. Crews from the Coast Guard, the Put-in-Bay Fire Department, and the Ottawa County Sheriff's Office responded when 20 people who were ice fishing became stranded about a mile from the Lake Erie shore. The U.S. Coast Guard stated that they received the call of 20 people stranded on an ice flow. These people were actually in two separate groups out on the water in Lake Erie near Catawba Island. Two hours later, three different rescue units were able to get the all 20 fishermen safely. WTOL 11's Matt Willoughby reporting. The state of Ohio hasn't executed someone in more than five years. The state of Alabama intends to put a man to death with nitrogen gas this week, the nation's first execution attempt using that method. The Alabama Attorney General's office says using nitrogen gas is the most painless and humane method created. Ohio's last execution was more than five and a half years ago under Governor John Kasich. Current Governor Mike DeWine has suspended execution, citing a difficulty in finding suitable drugs. I'm Tracy Townsend. January is School Board Recognition Month, and members of the Finley High School Student Leadership Class attended Monday night's board meeting to celebrate the leadership of the Finley City Schools Board of Education. We just want to thank you guys for being the head leaders of our district and showing us what a real leader is. So thank you, and happy Board Appreciation Month. Thank you very much. The school district says board members devote many hours of their time and energy to propel the school district to excellence, opportunity, and belonging. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. So now to our cover story this morning. As everyone knows, Findlay already sets the standard for economic development among cities our size. That's been proven time and time again. Well, now, Mayor Christina Mern wants to take that Findlay formula, if you will, to the next level, as a manner of speaking, and... Uh, Mayor Mern is with us uh, here this morning. Good Thanks morning, very guys. much for yes. taking some time. We appreciate it. My pleasure. So earlier this month, uh, you called a uh, Committee of the Whole meeting, Finley City Council, to lay right. out these ideas that you have to further improve uh, the uh, offerings, make Finley even more attractive for economic development moving forward. That's kind of the idea, right? Yes. So... The obvious question is, given our success already, why the need? Yeah, so there's a couple of reasons. Um, So the the ideas that were proposed are a downtown redevelopment district, which is allowed under state law and has been utilized in other communities across the state, and acts similar to a property tax abatement, but you're able to, the, the properties would pay those taxes, and then they'd be redirected to be reinvested in the area to either help with development of properties, help with infrastructure, different things like that. So that's kind of the the lead focus this year um, as we look to help spur some more development with some of our older buildings downtown. The second concept – oh, go ahead. Uh, no, I was going to say, so just to interject uh, on that, how is uh, that different from some of what is already planned, some of what is already going on 
uh, downtown. We've seen revitalization of some of the uh, older buildings. We've seen the redevelopment of uh, you know what you have proposed and what the plan is for the downtown park uh, mm-hmm. area, green space area, and so on. How does this uh, differ from or expand on that? Yeah, so this really helps expedite. And if you think of some of the buildings that we have downtown that have re- been redeveloped over the years, you still typically only have the first floor or two being redeveloped. And with some of our larger buildings especially, to be able to bring those buildings um, to a kind of safe operations, it's going to be really expensive. Um, And so, you know, I'm not saying that those properties wouldn't necessarily be updated in the future, but being able to get them up and operational sooner rather than later, I believe is beneficial. It also helps um, not just do a standard abatement, but utilize those those funds in kind of specific ways that we think are going to provide the most benefit, not just to a single property, but to the area as a whole. Okay. Uh, so that's one proposal. And then what else? Yeah. So the second idea that was brought up, which is a little more unique and something I'd kind of been discussing with economic development and some local businesses to say, you know, what are your thoughts on this as business leaders? And it is an income tax uh, withholding abatement. So imagine you are a small business owner and you are wanting to add, uh, or you're, you're, you have a startup company and you want to put down roots in Finley, Ohio. If you qualify on a couple of different levels, so there's a number of targeted industries, so aerospace, um, energy, Um, management, finance, insurance, those types of businesses, as well as advanced manufacturing, healthcare, a couple of other based off of their NAICS code. And you are paying more than $60,000 to the individual. Then you would qualify on kind of a structured um, where, you know, if it's one person at 60,000, you get so much abated at for so long a period of time. It's like 20% for one year. Mm -hmm. And then as it goes up, say you're hiring a hundred people over 150,000, then you would get 80% abatement for a longer period of time. And so the goal is, and I, you know, I don't think that this is going to be a silver bullet that's going to, you know, suddenly we're going to have the next Amazon headquarters. Mm -hmm. I think what it does is continue to say, Hey, we have this tool, a business who may not have as much capital investment where they're receiving that benefit, but is adding people, both new business as well as the expansion of businesses can can utilize this. And so I think it helps continue to kind of target that white collar workforce. So this is an income tax abatement. Does that uh, does that mean that local or state uh, coffers would be impacted by that? So it would be based off of um, new jobs created on the withholding income tax for the city of Finley. So we wouldn't be decreasing the income tax that we're currently receiving. It would be delaying a portion of the increase that we would see. If that makes sense. <laughs> uh, it, it does. Uh, although I, I can I can hear the argument. I'm sure that this uh, came up in the discussion of the fact that if you are adding jobs and bringing people into the area, that creates an additional uh, strain on city services, and that's the idea of the income tax to uh, offset the increased need for increased city services and and so on. So yes. there is some give and take there. There is. However, I believe that the short term, you know, um, the short term benefit that we're giving up provides a much longer term benefit. So I think saying, okay, you're paying $600 annually on a $60,000, you know, salary at that 1% and we're 
we're going to give you back 20% of that. That's not big dollars. I think the benefit that we see from adding that job is obviously much greater. So, uh, and, and these are uh, programs that are designed to spur economic development from the outside or more to encourage further investment among uh, companies and operations that are already here? Yes. <laughs> both. Um, yeah, I think it, it's a bit of both. So one of the things that I have heard, you know, during the strategic planning process, we heard from businesses, you know, I want to grow and, and, and add employees. Um, but, you know, there aren't as many incentives as are offered to, you know, a new business coming in. Or, you know, I'm not building a new building, but I'm going to add more people. So I think it does meet some of that need as well as, again, it helps advertise us as um, providing a benefit to those kind of higher paying targeted jobs. And I think that that is something that is worth trying out. And if it doesn't work, then, you know, we don't need to continue to offer it. Well, that's the other uh, the other thing. These are proposals uh, at this point. So what needs to happen next moving forward? Because this is not something that is just going to be implemented. It would take, uh, you know, action by council mm-hmm. and, and yeah, so, so on. Yeah, so I... You know, I brought it to the committee of the whole meeting to start the conversation. Um, we need to have some conversations, obviously, with some of the properties in the downtown area that may be interested. We've had some kind of preliminary conversations with them, as well as obviously talking to the the school districts, kind of doing all of that public communication. There's a pretty robust process that has to be followed for the downtown redevelopment process because it's outlined in the Ohio Revised Code. So we're going to start with our focus on that one because I do believe that, you know, we have a couple of projects that are interested in utilizing that to keep their projects moving. Um, And so I think we will probably in the next month have a couple meetings with kind of key stakeholders. Then we'll have the conversations back at the city council level, probably in a committee um, to kind of tease it out, better understand, see what we want ours to look like. And then hopefully we would in the next couple of months in this early spring have the approval um, from that. I would expect then we'll kind of focus on that and then um, most likely begin conversations either on the backside of that or early summer on the income tax proposal. Um, and, and just to to clarify, the the first proposal you mentioned with the redevelopment district and, and so on, that would be strictly downtown, would it not? So, so that is the focus area. Um, however, it, the name is a little bit of a misnomer because you can actually do it anywhere within a 10-acre contiguous area, continuous area of a historical property. So there are a couple of other areas in town that it may make sense, but typically the downtown areas, because you have more density, um, the property values, it, that typically is where it's most utilized. As an aside, does that also uh, answer some of the questions or, or uh, abate some of the concerns about the loss of certain uh, historical uh, buildings? And that's been, was in the news uh, last year year are we doing enough to preserve some of the historical structures that we have uh, in the um, town? so it definitely can help because it does make you know historical buildings are very um, expensive <laughs> that that's the reality right. of it they're very yeah. expensive and they're very expensive to bring them up to safe you know operations and so I do think that offering something like this really helps out especially when there's a property that um, you know they may be able to that they're looking to kind of, you know, make operational. Um, so I do think it helps. That's not its like primary focus. Mm-hmm. It really is just overall kind of investment in downtown. 
Um, but it definitely does help preserve historical buildings. And the the income tax abatement uh, proposal, that would apply regardless of where a business would be downtown or Correct. otherwise. Correct. That would right? be that available would be... to anyone within the city of Finley yeah. corporation limits. Yeah. Um, and again, it's currently, uh, we have it structured. I've proposed it where it's kind of targeted businesses and only for positions over the $60,000 threshold. So we mentioned the uh, question of uh, how city finances are uh, impacted by an income tax abatement. Are there any other ways in which uh, city finances would be impacted by either of these uh, proposals? Um, Is this something that's going to cost people, uh, it's going to cost the city money? Uh, no, I don't, not not in any meaningful way. You know, with the downtown redevelopment district, the economic development plan that you implement, some of the funds can actually be directed towards public infrastructure, um, different things that would benefit the community as a whole. And mm-hmm. so I think the city may actually see some revenue from that towards specific projects in the long run. Um, and with the income tax abatement, you know, we would have the operations of just managing it, but um, that's not anything that our income tax department wouldn't be able to manage. So uh, these are proposals that we will follow through the process. Again, this is uh, these are just proposals at this point, so a Correct. lot still has to happen yep. uh, in order to uh, to make this happen, but and we'll certainly be... If folks are interested, the, the Committee of the Whole Meeting, which includes the slides, are on our YouTube channel, um, so you just go on there and you can find it or email me mayor at finleyohio.gov i'm happy to provide the slides that break it down a little bit more as well we'll continue to follow this as uh it goes through the uh, process while we have you here one of the other things that i want to ask you really quickly because i know that there have been uh ongoing uh discussions we're going to talk about it here in just a bit one of the other stories we're talking about this morning this april solar eclipse going to be uh, big and uh (laughs) this is not going to be the last time we talk about it but uh kind of give us an update as uh, where uh things stand in terms of preparation uh preparations um we logistically and great, all that we are in great shape we've been working on this for probably over two years at this point just yeah. gearing up making sure that we're keeping our eye on it mm. you know hotels are booked um our safety services oh. and our city of finley team have been working um we have the finley solar eclipse 2024 website where you can get information about how we're preparing um i think the big thing for folks to remember is that we're going to have Uh, hopefully a significant influx of people coming to our community. And so um, we want to, one, try to limit your travel as much as possible that day. Be prepared for long waits and more people. Um, But support our businesses. Show off our community. We're really excited to be a part of this monumental event. Again, uh, Finley Mayor Christina Mern with us uh, this morning. Mayor Mern, thanks very much for dropping by. Thanks for having me, Chris. Good to see you. Well, without a doubt, April's solar eclipse will be one of the biggest events of the year. And from a science standpoint, perhaps the biggest event in many years. As such, Toledo's Imagination Station is leaning into the eclipse with special programs get people as excited as they are for this rare celestial event. And Chief Scientist Carl Nelson is with us this morning. So, Carl, we we call this a rare event, but as has been pointed out, it is not really necessarily all that rare per se. So why is this such a big deal? That is absolutely correct. Um, typically, uh, you can have two to three eclipses uh, per year. I think even the maximum might even be five per year that could be wow. you know, technically possible um, of different kinds. You have partial eclipses, you have an annular eclipse, and then, of course, the total eclipses. I think where the idea that it's rare comes in is that it's rare 
for any given particular location, right? Yeah. So every year there are multiple eclipses, but they're happening all over the globe. Sometimes they happen in the middle of the ocean, right? Um, so, you know, the last time there was a, a total eclipse that passed through Toledo was in like 1806. Toledo wasn't even a city at that point in time. Yeah. Um, and the next one that'll occur will be in uh, 2099. So I think it's fair, you know, if you're <laughs> talking about any given location, this is a once in a lifetime event for yeah. most people, unless you're an eclipse chaser and you're willing to go out there and, and, and travel to find, you know, the other location. And there are a fair number of those individuals who do that. But for most of us, we look at this and we hear about it coming. And you were kind of alluding uh, to this. There are different kinds of events because uh, I, I, can hear people saying, didn't we just have an eclipse a few years ago? I want to say 2017, 2018, somewhere around there. What is different about this one? That is correct. In 2017, Toledo uh, was in the path of not the totality, but it was a partial eclipse here. I forget the percentage. Um, it was probably maybe in the 60, 70 percent uh, coverage mm-hmm. range. Um, but it's a totally different experience. Um, I have not personally seen a total eclipse. I have seen an annular eclipse just this past October um, in Oregon. And um, that, I thought, was like an amazing experience um, to see, you know, the moon covers only a portion of the center of the sun. So you see like a ring of fire yeah. on the outside. Yeah. Um, but from what I've been told, even that doesn't compare to the experience of totality where the sun is completely blocked out for several minutes. You're able to see the corona or the outer atmosphere of the sun. You know, that the temperature could drop five to seven degrees. Hmm. Um, birds and crickets become confused uh, <laughs> as, as they begin chirping or singing. Cicadas will start chirping and then stop. Hmm. So, it, you know, it, it affects nature. That's one thing, but also it's just one of those experiences that, you know, through history has been um, an awe-inspiring event to see the sun taken away. Yeah, and from a scientific standpoint, is this something that scientists such as yourself are excited for simply because of its rarity in Northwest Ohio, uh, or are there things that we can study and learn through the eclipse while it's happening that you are also looking forward to? Well, historically, um, you know, back in 1919, there was an eclipse that was used to verify Einstein's theory of relativity. Um, so a large gravitational object like the sun can actually bend starlight. It can act as a gravitational lens. And of course, there was no way to test this other than during a solar eclipse. Hmm. Um, so you'd look at the position of the stars in the sky before the eclipse and then when the sun isn't there and then you'd watch during the eclipse and you could see they moved to a different location or apparently a different location. And it was all because of this sort of gravitational lensing that happened because of the mass of the sun, yeah. which was only visible during an eclipse. Hmm. Um, you know, helium was first discovered in the surface of the sun, not on Earth. So, <laughs> you know, that's sort of an interesting yeah. idea. Interesting. And then just, you know, uh, you know, people that are studying, you know, how the sun actually works, being able to observe the corona, which looks different during every eclipse. Again, it's at that outer surface of the solar atmosphere 
even the shadow. I, I find this really interesting that during the 2017 eclipse, um, using our latest sort of like satellite technology, we were actually able to see as the moon's shadow raced across the, the U.S., there was actually a slight clearing of cloud cover hmm. because under the shadow, the temperature drops a little bit and yeah. that affects sort of the the local Hmm. Uh, evaporative cloud cover. Wow. So there's all sorts of interesting science that goes along with an eclipse. Yeah. And now, as we said, the Imagination Station leaning into this pretty heavily, as one might expect. I, I know uh, you'll soon be announcing the individuals have been selected to be solar an- eclipse ambassadors around uh, Northwest Ohio to help spread the word. So that's pretty cool. Do you have other special programming, special events that will be coming up between now and April 8th that uh, uh, people might want to uh, check out? Absolutely. Um, you mentioned the uh, ambassadors, and they will be those people we're going to train and send out into the community to um, host parties and events before the eclipse and during the day of the eclipse. Uh, our education team has a ton of eclipse-related programming that, if you're a teacher, you can have that brought into your classroom or your community center. Um, we have a, a portable planetarium that uh, people can climb into, and we can simulate an eclipse inside this structure wow talk about the science talk about what it's going to look like you know get prepared for it okay um so if you know the best thing to do is check out our website imaginationstationtoledo.org um and look under the programming section and you can find all sorts of ways to bring us out to your community center your school we can do workshops we can do entire school science festivals so uh, a lot definitely of check that out. Yeah, a lot of uh, really cool stuff to uh, get excited about. Uh, April eighth is the day for the total solar eclipse in Northwest Ohio. Uh, probably the last one most, if not all of us, will see in our lifetime here. Again, uh, Chief Scientist Carl Nelson is with us from the Imagination Station. And Carl, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Sure, thank you very much. Now, the Good Mornings Community and Business Spotlight. Ohio Means Jobs in studio guest here this morning, Matt, Matt Ibera from Garner Trucking. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Very well. And a, a name that we all know, Garner Trucking, Vern Garner, of course, started uh, way back. <laughs> Seems like eons ago. But uh, we want to have uh, Matt uh, is going to uh, give us the uh, history of Garner Trucking. Yeah. So Garner was established in 1960 by Vern and Jean Garner and currently is run by their daughter, Sherry Garner Brumball, representing the second generation and maintaining his family ownership. Very good. So uh, started with a couple trucks, basically. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, hauling a lot of uh, grain and uh, fertilizer, I think. Yes, they started with agriculture back in the 60s. And then they moved up there for um, dry van and general commodities. And I know uh, I've talked to Jean she used to ride along okay <laughs> and uh, they would go up to uh mommy river and uh, do a lot of uh, drives up there and runs and uh, deliver grain you know, so in a truck that didn't have air conditioning <laughs> <laughs> so talking with matt ibera garner trucking ohio means jobs and uh, a lot of uh, great history of course garner trucking very involved in our community yes we are talk about that uh, we do a lot of things out in the community. We do uh, coats for Christmas. Um, Sherry's very involved with the University of Finley. Uh, and Reese Across America. Oh, Reese Across America, yep. And we're going to talk about a job that is available and uh, has to deal with uh, Class ACDL. 
tell us about the uh, job. Yeah, we're actively recruiting right now for Class A CDL drivers for our regional schedules, offering home time for a balanced lifestyle, whether you're a seasoned professional or a newcomer to the industry. I'd like to welcome all drivers of all experiences to our family. Very good. And uh, all up-to-date equipment, uh, the trucks. I know I've been in some of the trucks. They're great trucks that you get to drive. Equipment is top-notch. Yep, all automatic, all Freightliner, nothing below a 2018 um, like you said, air conditioning, all the bells and whistles. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Garner Trucking uh, in for Ohio Means Jobs, Matt Ibera. And uh, we also want to talk about an apprentice program that you have and that not many other uh, trucking companies offer. That's, that's true. Yeah. We are actually one of 33 carriers in the nation to be a part of what's called a safe driver apprenticeship program. And as a part of commitment to fostering the next generation of drivers, Garner Trucking proudly participates in the program, allowing us to train drivers under the age of 21, actually, that can drive across state lines. And we currently have four of the 12 students in the nation in our program. Wow. So Garner Trucking, uh, when we think Garner Trucking, I know they're very involved in the community and also uh, nationwide. Uh, Sherry Garner Brumbaugh, very involved in the trucking industry. So Matt Ibera in... Ohio means jobs, Garner Trucking, looking for Class A CDL drivers, anything we missed. Uh, I would just say that we have a lot of benefits and highlights to the being at Garner. Uh, you get benefits day one, you get a 401k match, um, 100% no touch free, uh, six paid holidays and your birthday. We also have several schedules uh, to help you get out there. I know a lot of concerns we have for drivers is home time and family time. So that's why we offer a plethora of schedules. Very good. Website uh, we can go to? Uh, website to apply would be drivegarner.com. And if you would like some more history on Garner, you can go to garnertrucking.com as well. Very good. Ohio means jobs. Garner Trucking. Matt Ibera in. Thanks for coming in. Thank you so much. The Community and Business Spotlight is a promotional advertisement paid for by the featured sponsor. Information that makes a difference. Good mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. So leading off today's broken news is the woman in California who is accused of stealing thousands of dollars worth of those trendy Stanley stainless steel cups. Have you heard about these uh, these mugs? These are travel mugs, just everyday, ordinary travel mugs. But for some reason, these Stanley uh, mugs have gone viral. I mean, is this is like... Cabbage Patch Kids or the Tickle Me Elmo a few years ago at Christmas time or when the new iPhone comes out and everybody goes nuts over these things. I don't get it, but apparently, uh, what was it, Starbucks and Target introduced limited edition, special edition Stanley Cups. People went crazy uh, for these things. They were selling out in, in minutes and uh, they are being resold online at tremendous markups and, and all of this. It's just this crazy, people have gone nuts over these Stanley Cups. So this woman in Roseville, just outside of Sacramento, um, managed to steal thousands of dollars worth of these uh, cups. Uh, police say they received a call about a woman walking, this happened last week, woman walking out of a store with a cart full, a cart full of these Stanley Cups, Without paying, employees told officers she refused to stop and stuffed the stolen merchandise into her car. Police eventually caught up with the 23-year-old suspect and found 65 of the Stanley Cups worth $2,500. 
uh, in her car. Videos have gone viral this month showing long lines, frenzied crowds, people trying to get their hands on the limited edition uh, versions of the cops, blah, 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 blah. What amazed me about this story is where did she find a cart full of these cops? I mean, they're sold out everywhere. You can't find them. Where did she find a cart full of them? Doesn't say what store this was. But that's the most amazing part of the story. Not the brazenness that she would steal them. Uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. They're hot. People are reselling them online. Not a big surprise someone would try and steal them and resell them and make some money. Just where was she able to find them? That's crazy. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, today's dumb criminal of the day uh, comes from Florida, not surprisingly. Robert Brush, age 46, claimed he didn't know. He didn't know. Uh that there were any drugs on his driver's license <laughs> when he handed it over to a cop. During a routine traffic stop, Mr. Brush allegedly handed over a meth-covered driver's license to the officer. <laughs> that driver's license was covered in meth. That's probably a good indication that something fishy is going on. <laughs> Police have a sixth sense about these sorts of things. They know to uh, take a closer look when they get a driver's license handed to them that's covered in meth. He says he didn't know that there were any drugs on his driver's license, and he said that there was nothing illegal in the car. But a police dog called to the scene proved otherwise. Deputies found a baggie with about two grams of meth in the car. Uh, He was busted on charges of trafficking, possession, possessing a vehicle knowingly trafficking drugs, and tampering with physical evidence. And this wasn't his first brush. Mr. Brush has had a previous brush with the law. Several, in fact. Jail records show that he has over 50 prior arrests since 1997. So he's been a busy boy. Very bad boy. And uh, I'm not sure if that defense of, I didn't know, is going to necessarily work. It's not going to fly. And then there is the story of Darren Pittman, age 26, an alleged cocaine dealer in Monroe, Louisiana, who is found hiding inside the dryer in his, of his girlfriend's two-bedroom apartment. <laughs> it was a perfect hiding place inside the dryer, inside the clothes dryer. Uh, This according to court documents, Mr. Pittman had allegedly been selling crack from the apartment. Uh, His girlfriend, Michelle Smith, aged 19, was also busted for obstruction for attempting to prevent police from entering and searching the apartment. An 18-year-old fought with police over the validity of the search warrant, so he was charged with resisting arrest as well, along with felony battery of a police officer. So it was a, a big adventure. Uh, Mr. Pittman, who is facing felony and misdemeanor drug charges in addition to warrants charging him with failure to appear in court in connection with two prior criminal matters, is now behind bars. He went from the dryer to the cooler, as it were. Um, All three (laughs) remain in custody. It's inside the dryer. No one will find me in here. Um, I saw the mugshot, too. He's a big boy. I'm, I'm surprised that he actually fit. In the clothes dryer. Uh, Especially one the size of most apartments, you know? Pretty impressive, actually. 
Uh, from the international file, the broken news this morning, a Brazilian medical student um, was partying 21-year-old Mateus Faccio. Mateus Faccio was partying with friends on the beach near Rio de Janeiro on New Year's Eve when he felt what he thought was a rock hit him in the head. There were a lot of people there and they were partying revelry and all of that of uh, New Year's Eve. So uh, he didn't think much about it. Somebody hit him with a rock in the head. And uh, annoying, but not, uh, you know, anything to make a big deal about. Turned out to be not a rock. Excuse me, not a rock, but a nine millimeter bullet that had gotten lodged in his brain. Unaware of what had happened, Mateus continued partying and didn't think anything of it until four days later when he began experiencing arm spasms. Growing concerned, because he is a medical student after all, he went to the hospital where doctors discovered the bullet was compressing the brain in an area close to the region responsible for the movement of the right arm. A nine millimeter bullet. He'd been shot in the head, in his brain, and didn't know it for four days. He has uh, since undergone a two hour operation in which doctors successfully extracted the bullet and sent it to police, who are currently trying to find out who fired the shot. That's crazy. He got shot and didn't know it for four days in the head. No less. Bullet lodged in his brain. And finally, in the broken news this morning, (laughs) um, the next time you travel, um, you may encounter this. And I think we've all had it. Somebody um, who feels entitled on a flight to get in. You hear about these stories in the news now and then. People causing a disruption on a flight because they feel they're entitled to a seat they didn't pay for or something like that. Uh, It apparently doesn't just happen here. There aren't just Karens like that in this country. In China, a couple demanded that their child receive a free first-class seat. Uh, The uh, flight was supposed to leave Chengdu, uh, bound for Beijing, but uh, two parents asked for their toddler to sit with them in first class. The couple had only purchased an economy ticket for their son. They bought first-class tickets for them, bought an economy ticket for their son, and then tried to get a free upgrade. The father reportedly said he should receive the third first-class ticket for free because he already bought two. I'm sorry, that's not the way that works. You can buy three, but he didn't. Uh, The flight, this is the crazy part, the flight ended up being... First, delayed for three hours over this dispute. Three-hour delay, and then ended up being canceled entirely. And to cancel the flight because this guy was demanding a free upgrade for his son. I don't understand why he didn't just have his son and his wife sit in first class and he'd go back and take the economy seat. You know what I mean? Simple solution for this. The flight ended up getting canceled. How ticked off would you be if that happened to you? There you go. Uh, That is today's broken news report. An update just to prove it doesn't just happen in this country. It's all over the world. People, entitled people, thinking that they 
deserves some kind of special treatment. There you go. Uh, that is today's broken news report, an update of the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Do you know an exceptional teacher who's made a positive impact in your life or the life of a student? It's time to shine a bright spotlight on these educational heroes with the Finley Rotary Golden Apple Awards. Nominate your favorite teacher from Finley or Hancock County online at finleyrotary.org before April 5th. Nominate an outstanding educator for the Golden Apple Awards. Make a difference. Honor a teacher by visiting finleyrotary.org today. This message provided by WFIN. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. How comfortable are you asking for help when you need it? This is kind of interesting. A new survey of 2,000 adults finds that the average adult finally feels comfortable asking for help when they turn 27. 27 years old is when we, on average, feel comfortable asking for help. Uh, Those between the ages of 25 and 34 are most likely to reach out to others when they need help. Those over 65 still prefer to go it alone. They just don't ask for help. We all know somebody like that. Just doesn't ask for help, no matter how much they need it. Uh, Of those who don't like asking for help, 51% say they just prefer to be independent. 48% don't want to be a bother to others. 23% admit that they are simply too proud to ask for help. Uh, And what are the most... Difficult things to ask for help with. Uh, Relationships. 37% say relationships are the most uncomfortable subject to ask for help with. 33% cite finances and 29% their health. People are much happier, much quicker to ask uh, for help when it comes to work, their careers, and their education. been very flimmy this morning. I don't know what it is. I think it's the weather. Kind of crazy. Joined in the studio by uh, Sarah Clevidence, the Finley Hancock County Public Library. The month of February is right around the corner now. Hard to believe that uh, we're talking about February already, but it is a month that you're going to love <laughs> at the library. You see what I did there? Uh, good pun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> before we talk about that, I uh, want to get an update on the updates uh, to the library. You've been very busy there. Speaking of things you're going to love, <laughs> our welcome windows were installed yesterday, and they turned out even better than I expected. So it's uh, we've talked about we're going to be moving the circulation desk, and mm-hmm. that's coming in March. Mm-hmm. Um but these windows will really be a focal point with that new layout in the circulation area. And okay. they say welcome in 25 different languages. Oh, very cool. So we worked with several entities uh, in the community to, to try to get a picture of all of the languages that are spoken here. And we know mm-hmm. we don't have all of them. There just yeah. wasn't room to include all of them. But <laughs> it, it's really uh, a phenomenal piece. It definitely uh, gives a, a new look, a fresh look when you uh, arrive at the library. It does. So. And if you haven't been in recently, we've got paint on the walls, too. So we've added some color, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. So uh, the next time you go to the library, you're going to notice a, a new look in that uh, update. Uh, those updates, the construction continues, like you said, in March. Uh, really going to be... Uh, you know, it's going to be pardon our dust time. Absolutely. So. March 7th, we'll be installing our new circulation desk. Yeah. And we are going to need to close the library just that one day for okay. the installation. But 
we look forward to doing a staff training to take advantage of that time as well. All right. So uh, just something to keep in mind there, but uh, check that out next time you're uh, in the area. Drop by and, and see what's new at the library. A lot of things going on in the month of February. Give us an update here. There are. the One of the biggest things we have in February is the Teletale uh, writing contest for kids in kindergarten through fifth grade. Uh, they can write a short story up to 350 words for that contest. Uh, illustrations are welcome, but not required. Mm-hmm. Although there will also be uh, judging for illustrations. Okay. Uh, the winners of, of each grade division will be included in the Telltale book that will be published and added to our collection at the library. So it's a lot of fun for kids and a lot of fun for our volunteers who who judge the writings mm-hmm. as well. I, I know you've done this in the past, and and it, it's always interesting to see what kind of stories uh, kids come up with because. They, uh, kids are naturally creative in that way. They have imaginations that work in ways we can't even fathom. So yeah. it's wonderful to see what they come up with. Yeah. Uh, so that is coming up when? That that contest runs the entire month of February. So okay. we start accepting entries on the 1st. All right. Uh, now, if you're thinking about entering but not sh- really sure how to get started, we mm-hmm. do have a Young Writers and Illustrators Workshop on February 12th. Okay. At six. That, that might help get you going in the right direction. All right. Uh, now, what do, uh, what do you folks need to to do parents need to do to sure. sign their kids up yeah. for this or get them started is there a registration is there there's an entry form that that needs to be okay. included with uh, all stories that are submitted okay. parents will need to sign that that's available in the children's department or on our website familylibrary.org okay. mm-hmm. uh, that does require a parent signature giving their permission for their child to take part but it's a short easy form okay and uh beyond that just encouraging your kids to Absolutely. tap into their creative side and and you mentioned the uh, workshop do uh, folks have to sign up for that or uh no you can just come and join okay uh so uh, definitely something i look forward to talking to next time we we see you uh maybe we'll uh be closer well i don't we'll probably won't have the we won't have winners the winners yet. by then but no. you know we'll look forward to that uh on down the line yes. so uh, that is going on throughout the month of uh, February. What else is going on? Well, you may have heard that there's this little thing called the eclipse. That's yeah, coming in April. I've, I've heard that. Uh, we were talking about it a little bit ago, okay, as a matter of fact. Great. Yeah. So we've got a few programs. Um, it's just starting in February, doing some eclipse programming, mm-hmm. uh, including you know like a craft program on uh, embroidering constellations. Uh, oh, okay. Some some fun things. Uh, to prepare that way. But we'll also on March 16th have the Imagination Station in to do a library takeover. So that's a a Saturday mid-month in March. Um, There'll be, I think, 12 different stations around the library where kids can explore science and learn about the science behind the eclipse. And they're bringing their inflatable star lab that's going to go underneath our skylight. We were talking about that. That, It really sounds like that would be very, very cool. We can't wait. (coughs) So that that program, you, you don't need to register for the uh, imagination station takeover but you okay. do have to register for a spot in the star lab just because okay. there's limited seats available and one that, of the reasons why we bring it up now because absolutely. that probably will fill up pretty quickly i imagine so that registration will open on february 16th okay. so mark your calendars to get signed up if you'd like to check out the star lab and for that can folks do that online or do they have to go to the library to do that they'll be able to do that online <laughs> Again, look on our website, finleylibrary.org, for all okay. the details. Uh, let's see here. Anything else to uh, talk about, highlight for the uh, month of uh, February specifically here? Well, you know, if we're still thinking about New Year's resolutions, if you haven't given up on those yet, there mm-hmm. there's a cooking class, a uh, role of food and your, and your health on cholesterol uh, with Jennifer Little. Um, so that'll be a great one if you're still trying to work your way through eating healthy in the new year. Okay. Uh, there's some yoga uh, February 5th. So if you're trying to exercise more or, or 
relax more, that might be a good one. And Hancock Public Health will have their mobile health clinic at the library on uh, February 13th. Okay, so uh, just a handful of things that are going on. Lots of things happening at the library, obviously, uh, all the time. And the full schedule of events is up on the website as well. Right? Absolutely, finleylibrary.org. All right, very good. Again, uh, Sarah Clevidence with the Finley Hancock County Public Library with us this morning talking about upcoming events in the uh, month of February. And again, the uh, Teletale uh, contest. Don't uh, don't forget about that. Get your uh, kids thinking about their uh, stories. So, really cool stuff. Sarah, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank you. And that will finish up our podcast for today. want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage. That, of course, goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, you want to lose weight or get in better shape this year, but without a complete overhaul of your diet or your daily routine, it is not impossible. We'll tell you about a tool that can help. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.